Warning, this podcast contains questionable content of the more adult variety and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say you haven't been warned. Carla, put your pants back on. Yeah, it's slap that baby and make him pee. I'm serious. Okay, I believe you. I they just put that movie on Netflix in Canada. I don't know if it's <gasps> on Netflix in the states, but I put it on just um, to watch that scene. <laughs> I literally almost closed our chat so I could go check this out. Carla. Oh my god! All right, I hey, I love that movie. Like my favorite line is "You have no power over me," or um, "Hello," like so good, right? <laughs> well, it's so simple, but it's I mean that little worm is just one little hello. Actually, my voice is perfect for that right now. It is. Hello, love. Don't go that way. just need the little scarf. (gasps) Oh, you can knit me one. It'll be perfect. (laughs) Or if somebody else knits. Well, hi, everyone. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to Go Postal Podcast. (laughs) Uh, We are, well, I'm Carla, and that's Michael um, over there. True facts. (laughs) Kind of. I mean... I'm not doubting it. Um, and we're the podcast. Um, uh, we're, what do I say? We're a grab bag of fun. We really don't know what's happening. Grab bag of fun or grab bag of worms. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, oh, I'm sad. I am sad. We do not have it here. I am moving to Canada. I mean, we already knew this, but I'm definitely moving to Canada now. So I can have Labyrinth on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Does anyone? Uh, so this, no, no, but I think we should tell, remind them of our theme this week. So, uh, just a recap last episode, uh, our, we, we have a theme of Apocalypse. Apocalypse version 2.0. Uh, uh, we're too we're way too entertained by ourselves I, yeah. <laughs> this is not, I think we're the only ones laughing at our own jokes <laughs> I feel like I'm in an action movie <laughs> apocalypse <laughs> um, and as you can tell I am losing my voice from the haunting that I've been doing this week uh, which has been fun <laughs> so I am a demonic possessed nun, not a ghost, Michael. Leave your bed sheets with the eye holes cut out at your place because we're going to join you there for our cult that we're starting. Right. So right. we'll need those. Yes, we will. <laughs> Got it. Um, and so, yeah, last week I read an end of the world thing from Reddit. You uh, read a story from Burning Man and I did some boobs, booze and bizarre on Death Valley. There was no boobs, no booze, but definitely plenty of bizarre. All of the bizarre. <laughs> Lots of bizarre that week. <laughs> um, so yeah, Michael, why don't you get it started? I will. So this is another story from Reddit from username The Rest. Uh, this was on the same Ask Reddit thread as the other story about do you know anyone who like actually believed in the 2012 apocalypse? So they go on to say, my ex-girlfriend dropped out of college back in 07. She called me late at night and told me that she wanted to, quote, get out and live and learn to be self-sustaining. 
before the possible end of the world. Funnily enough, she did precisely that. She got a degree as a health unit coordinator, saved up a bunch of money, and did a lot of traveling while taking side jobs at a friend's farm when she could. She went from a prissy shut-in to someone who wasn't afraid to get outside and break a sweat doing hard labor. I haven't talked to her in about a year now, but she seems to be doing well enough, has a new boyfriend and her own business. Guess it worked out well for her. I think she might be the only person that has prepared for the apocalypse in a healthy way. Yes. All of the other stories I found were so depressing. Like, just ruin. I mean, people, like, went insane with prepping for it, like, putting themselves into massive amounts of debt. But this was a very nice story, and I wanted to be like, see, you don't have to be totally insane to prep for the apocalypse um i actually had a boss when i worked um at the hospital in denver who fully believed the world was gonna end on december 21st 2012 um he legit prepared for it he had a cabin out in the woods and he made sure that he had time off (laughs) from the hospital to be in his cabin in the woods when the apocalypse was supposed to happen he saved up canned food he had guns he did the whole survivalist thing so imagine how, like, oh shit, oh shit, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Hello, this is Carla. Oh, the apocalypse? Oh, you're here? <laughs> I'll be right out. <laughs> that was just the apocalypse calling. It's fine. <laughs> well, I'll just have it leave a voice message. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you put me to voicemail? <laughs> <laughs> how dare you hit the fuck you button? Um... So, yeah, uh, anyway, he, so it was so funny when he came back, like nobody said anything to him. Cause like we were all prepared to give him so much shit, but like, it was just so embarrassed. Like you felt secondhand embarrassment for this guy. Yeah. You just, I, <sighs> yeah. So I ended up buying him a keychain when I was in Italy. It was really cool. It was like a calendar that if you put it, you know, you spun it to a certain year it would tell you the calendar at any time. So he always had the calendar no matter what. So in fact, this keychain was smarter than that Mayan piece of stone. Because <laughs> it's never going to end. No, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, we we, we just all kind of looked at each other and started giggling, but we never gave him shit. Well, at least he now has a sick cabin in the woods. And a cool keychain. Yeah, and a fucking badass keychain. So he always knows what day it is. Boom. Anyway. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah that's pretty awesome and good for people who can do that shit i'm still a prissy i'm not prissy but i'm still fucking shut in because screw nature it doesn't like me i'm not very good at it what can i say you're one of those people that's just like oh the world's ending i'll just go with it <laughs> right like i'm gonna have so much fun if the world is ending screw it it's gonna be amazing <laughs> Uh, but I never believe it, so I'll probably just be like, I'm going to show up to work tomorrow anyway. Like, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah. This week on Myopia Defend Your Childhood. Myopia Defend Your Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. 
And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Mornings segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? Myopia Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. So speaking of end of the fucking world, Michael, mm-hmm. are you ready for... One of these days we'll get our timing right. So that, this, uh, as you can tell, cued our hysterical history. Um, we all know people kind of lose their minds with the uh, imminent apocalypse that never happens. Let's talk about um, the five apocalypses that have happened on Earth already. Ooh. But first, I, I know. So this was inspired um, by, uh, well, pretty much, I'm, I'm not even going to say inspired. This is like completely stolen from... <laughs> Uh, an article in the Atlantic magazine, uh, the September 2018 issue. So it's very recent mm-hmm. and it was written by Bianca Bosker. So thank you, Miss Bosker, because you're genius and your writing is phenomenal and I couldn't have done it better. So first I have to ask you, Michael, how did the dinosaurs die? They ate some bad sushi. I mean, that's one theory. Um, <laughs> It's definitely not either popular theory. Uh, what were we taught in school? The meteor came down, destroyed everything. Okay, so this is uh, the most widely accepted theory. And it was actually uh, brought about in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a badass woman named Gerda Keller, who is um, a paleontology and geology professor at Princeton, who has a different and very unpopular theory as to how the dinosaurs died. Uh, But before I start telling you about the five apocalypses that Earth has experienced so far, I want to tell you that I did not know that science was so rife with, like, brattiness and pettiness. (laughs) Oh, my God. When you get scientists on opposite sides of a debate, hold on to your butts because there is going to be some mudslinging. So it's physicists versus geologists versus paleontologists in this debate. You know, he said this and she said that. And God, I just imagine like the geologists throwing some rocks and physicists throwing diagrams and math at the geologists. And it's it's messy. There is serious math can math. hurt. Math, well, math hurts me daily, so it's fine. Hurts <laughs> <laughs> my brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, seriously, like they will tarnish each other's reputations just to get their theory more popular. It's a, it's a popularity contest. I thought these people were above this, but I guess not. So uh, let's talk about Miss Gerda Keller. Um, so in this article, it says that over the course of its five, 4.5 billion year existence, uh, could you convert that to metric for me, Michael? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Beep, 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 beep. Zero, 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 one. <laughs> So the Earth has occasionally lashed out against its inhabitants. At five different times, mass extinctions ensued. So the first one, 700 million years ago, the ocean's single-cell organism started linking together to form multicellular creatures. So about 444 million years ago, nearly all of those animals were wiped out by the planet's first global annihilation. The Earth recovered, fish appeared in the seas, and four-legged amphibians crawled onto land. And then... 372 million years ago, another catastrophe destroyed three-quarters of all life. 
for more than 100 million years after that, creatures thrived. The planet hosted the first reptiles, the first shelled eggs. So just to answer your question, the egg came before the chicken. The first plants with seeds. Forests swarmed with giant dragonflies whose wings stretched two feet across and crawled with millipedes. Ready for this? Nearly the length of a car. Uh, uh, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I am so happy to not be from men. Then, 252 million years ago, the quote-unquote great dying began, and when it finished, 96% of all species had vanished. The survivors went forth and multiplied until 201 million years ago, another mass extinction knocked out half of them. So, like, the Earth was freaking populated by nothing. So then the age of the dinosaurs opened with continents on the move, so Pangea, um, and they started to drift apart. The oceans were teeming with sponges and sharks and snails and corals and crocodiles, and it flooded into the space between Mm -hmm. them. Uh, It was pretty much swimsuit weather on most places on land, even as far north as the 45th parallel, which today roughly marks the U.S.-Canada border. Uh, So Toronto was a really nice place to live in the winter, Yeah. uh, unlike now. (laughs) Um, And so the North Pole was too warm for ice. It grew lush with pines. And the Stegosaurus roamed, then died, and Tyrannosaurus took their place. Now check this out. More it's uh, more time separates Stegosaurus from Tyrannosaurus, about 67 million years, than Tyrannosaurus from humans, which have about 66 million years between them. That's oh pretty my cool. God. I know, right? Uh, it was an era of evolutionary innovation that yielded the first flowering plants, the earliest placental mammals, and the largest land mam- animals that ever lived. Life was good right up until it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> geological evidence suggests that the extinction extinction took place over a much longer time period. Uh, Keller had a promising lead. The Earth's four prior mass extinctions are each associated with enormous volcanic eruptions, and they lasted about one million years apiece. The fifth extinction, the one that doomed the dinosaurs, occurred just as one of the largest volcanoes in history seeds um, in the Deccan Traps in India. So it's kind of on like the western side of India. Um, Uh So that's her theory. Now, we all learned in school that it was the meteor and it was like, boom, everything was wiped out. And it occurred on the, um, was it Yucatan Peninsula down in Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. And there is evidence of a meteor crater there. Like that's not a lie. Um, but what she's done is she's documented huge lava flows just preceding the extinction, which was uh, demarcated in the rock recorded by the fossils of creatures that had evolved only after the ma- or who that had evolved only after the mass dying. So during that time, so much gas, ash, and lava were pumped into the ecosystem that the Earth hit pretty much the point of no return. Um, and we've actually seen something like this in recorded history, which is really cool. So on June 8th, 1783, Iceland's lackey volcano began to smoke. Uh, the ground wrenched open and like an animal tearing apart its prey and outspilled a flood of fire, according to an eyewitness, eyewitness's diary. Lackey let loose clouds of sulfur, fluorine, and hydrofluoric acid, blanketing Europe with the stench of rotten eggs. Ooh. The sun disappeared behind a haze so thick. So like we're talking apocalypse. Like this is what people thought the fucking apocalypse was. So thick that at noon, it was too dark to read. <gasps> so what makes this difference from the cone-shaped stratovolcanoes from like our third grade science class, uh, both Deccan and Lackey were fissure eruptions, 
which fracture the Earth's crust, spewing lava as the ground pulls apart. Oh, God. How fucking scary would that be? That is like the definition of apocalypse. (laughs) Exactly. So destruction was immediate. Acid rain burned through leaves, blistered unprotected skin, and poisoned plants. People and animals developed deformed joints, softened bones, cracked gums, and strange growths on their bodies, all symptoms of fluorine poisoning. Isn't that what happened in World War I with, like, chlorine gas? Anyway. Um, <laughs> dark. Mass death. <laughs> well, it gets darker. Uh, mass death began eight days after the eruption. More than 60% of Iceland's livestock died within a year, along with more than 20% of its human population. This is one eruption. And the misery spread. Benjamin Franklin, one of our boys, reported a constant fog over a great part of North America. Severe droughts plagued India, China, and Egypt. Cold temperatures in Japan ushered in what is remembered as the year without summer. And the nation suffered the worst famine in its history. Throughout Europe, crops turned white and withered, and in June, desiccated leaves covered the ground as though it were October. Europe's famine lasted three years, and historians have blamed Lackey for the start of the French Revolution. Oh. Well, because the French Revolution, people were, the crops were failing, people were starving. Yeah. So this is probably why. Um, huh. So this is what Keller goes on to say. It, but that's just a short-term event from a relatively minor eruption compared with Deccan. A single Deccan eruption was thousands of times larger than Lackey, she said. And then you repeat that over and over and over again for basically 350,000 years before the massive die-off. Um, Lackey released 3.3 cubic miles of lava and Deccan unleashed an estimated 720,000 cubic miles. Oh. So eventually covering an area three times the size of France. Oh my God. So keeping with our apocalypse theme, this is what Keller's artistic vision of uh, what the apocalypse might have looked like. It's a drawing that hangs over her desk at Princeton, and it depicts her vision of this apocalypse, which was heavily informed by accounts of how Lackey poisoned Iceland's livestock. Yellow foaming at the mouth, Keller recounted delighted. In the illustration, dinosaurs gurgling lime green vomit writhe on a hill spotted with flames and charred tree stumps. Just behind them, a diagonal gash in the ground blazes with lava and spews dark, swirling clouds. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, Oh, no. So Keller thinking about mass extinction still come... um, Sorry, Keller thinking about mass extinctions still to come, and with the geologists of the future, they'll probably be cockroaches, let's face it. In fact, cockroaches were the only thing to survive uh, that massive uh, extinction. I think it was the fourth one before the dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, the one that wiped out half the pop- or 96% of the population, and then the next one devastated half that. Um, yeah. <laughs> cockroaches were the only thing to survive, so... Uh, while studying this landscape, we'll be hopelessly confused by all these rock layers jostled on top of one another out of order. There will be someone going around the earth trying to figure out what happened to us. There will be big debates about it. Well, we were stupid and killed ourselves on a grand scale, Keller said. You rule the world and then you die. So that is the alternative theory to uh, the meteor theory. And also her future prediction of what's going to happen to us, that we're going to kill ourselves. Yay, humans. So that's your hysterical history for the week. <laughs> it's 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 about 750 million years of nonsense. And extinction. So much extinction. So basically, we're a blip on the radar. Um, so when you start worrying about shit, don't 
Nobody's going to care. Nope. Rocks it, don't care. Rocks don't care. Cockroaches, and cockroaches, don't don't care. <laughs> cockroaches definitely don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, um, definitely, if you're more interested in the full article, I gave you a very, very, very abbreviated version of it. Um, it is in uh, September's 2018 Atlantic Magazine, and it was so good. Like You should send me the link so I can put it in the description. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, um, so thank you, Bianca. Let me get her name right. Bianca Bosker for that. Um, I was blown away. And uh, the person that pointed this out to me was actually Ohio. He's like, you got to read this. It's so awesome. In which I got distracted by an article on Lolita, which is a whole different topic. <laughs> Nice. So, well, um, thank you for sharing. That's that was extremely fascinating. Actually, that yay! was a lot of fun. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, and I'm sorry it was so shoddily put together, but I cannot write as well as someone who writes for the Atlantic Magazine. So I <laughs> wasn't going to try. I put in my own anecdotes. It's fine. Um, <laughs> well, Michael, this week I am so excited. We have a special guest. Oh my god! I am incredibly thrilled because let's face it you need to stop traveling all over the place and getting lost um yeah and we need more guests on our show uh so we have invited countess cordelia to give her renditions of uh some things that are happening in our pop culture these days yeah i i'm so delighted to welcome the countess cordelia here in the studio oh yes thank you so much for having me i it's weird being out here in in the world i haven't left my house in a couple of years because jeeves just takes care of everything but you know what i don't even know what you do but uh thank you for having me i mean cordelia thank you for joining us um so this week, I think an episode of the popular American television show, American Horror Story, aired, and uh, it's American Horror Story Apocalypse. Were you able to tune into that? Uh, do you know what a TV is? Well, uh, yes, I I did have to do some research on what a television was, but... Uh, in the end, I did find one, and I watched this program that so many people watch, apparently. Yeah, I... how did you stumble upon this? Did you did you view the television as, like, a tiny-sized theater in your living room? Or I guess it'd be in your parlor for, for such a sophisticated woman as yourself. Well, yes, my, my parlor, I... My granddaughter wanted to put it in the library, but I, I said, no, absolutely not. That's for books. You fiend. Who do you think you are? This is true. And, it's, it's a place for quiet and uh, TVs and radios and phones, all this modern technology. It's not quiet. Oh, amen. Can I? Uh, so, okay. Um, upon watching this American Horror Story Apocalypse, uh, what did you think about it? Well, I I've written out a statement on on my critique of the American Horror Stories of the Apocalypse. So, I'm delighted to share it with you. Oh yes, I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I haven't watched it myself, so uh, you know your review could be pivotal. And if uh, I'll tune in this week. Thank you. 
and welcome to Countless Cordelia Critiques. For my first foray into journalism, I will be reviewing the American horror story Apocalypse, episode one, found on the television. It is a horrible contraption, if I do say so myself. Now, keep in mind, there might be some plot giveaways in this review. Oh, uh, um, Countess Cordelia, we call those uh, spoiler alerts. Oh, yes, yes. An alert of spoilers. Yes, yes. Very well. Um, Excuse me. Uh, I had something in my throat. Oh, do, do you need my butler to get you some water? I, I brought him along with Oh, uh, that would be delightful. Thank you, Jeeves. Yes, yes. You don't, don't, uh, don't acknowledge him. Just take the water. Oh, <laughs> pardon me, Countess Cordelia. Well... I quite enjoyed this episode of Apocalypse. You see, it really harkened back to the days of yore before the war, where there was a strict societal order upon which I was placed at the top. Nowadays, everyone is free to do whatever they want, and honestly, it's an apocalypse of my own. Oh, it sounds like utter chaos. Absolute chaos. I mean, you live in this world, you know, but then again, maybe you're just... You're just part of the apocalypse. I don't know your life. (laughs) The apocalypse depicted in the show made me reminisce and dare I say, miss the times when one could simply not have to worry about anything as if the entire outside world didn't even exist. And if it dared to penetrate the walls of our estate, the help would take care of it. For this reason... I bequeath the American Horror Stories Apocalypse four out of four atomic bombs. Oh, oh, Countess Cordelia, you know what an atomic bomb is? I, I do. They mentioned it on the show. I Is that like... I don't really know what it is. I'm just repeating what I heard. <laughs> so, um, Well, let's just say, uh, Countess Cordelia... It's a very, very, very large explosion that decimates anything that it basically touches, and that can be the size of a small country. Oh, like I see. Delaware. Oh, is that part of the colonies? <laughs> um, I We refer to them these days as the United States of America, but yes. Uh, but I also believe there is a Delaware, England, so... It sounds like a horrible I'm sh- place. If, if you haven't been there, Cordelia, I'm sure it is. Um, well, four out of four atomic bombs, that, that sounds uh, quite explosive and bangering. I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. It, what was his word? Bangerang? What does that mean? I, it, uh, it... I have to leave. <laughs> I, maybe I'll see you next week. Please I don't rejoin know. us, Countess Cordelia. I've thoroughly enjoyed your company and your review. Um, and let me know what you think next week about some other piece of our barbaric culture. Oh, why, yes, I will. There's just so much of it out there. I'm sure I can find something to review. Well, thank you, Countess. Um, And have a lovely evening. Oh, thank you. You too. Goodbye. Bye. Well, oh, Michael, wow. what, what do you think about our esteemed friend, Countess Cordelia? I... It was a pretty interesting review that she had for us for, for the apocalypse. It's interesting to hear someone so... <sighs> old school <laughs> review something like that yeah um old yes uh i think uh medieval might be the word but um uh, four yeah, out of four atomic bombs i mean that's 
that's quite the review. We'll see what else she uh, what else she comes across next week. She might not be so thrilled with whatever happens. Maybe I don't know. I guess it I guess it depends on what it is. This just seemed to be like the perfect depiction of how she grew up in the world she lived in was just being surrounded by servants and she didn't have to worry about a thing. Everything was just brought to her. Um, kind of like that sounds, the apocalypse. Yeah, that sounds like what I need in my life. Maybe I do want the apocalypse to happen. I don't know. I, I think we should have her back. I think we should have her back more often. Selling Out Show, a podcast about the world we live in, hosted by a couple of guys who screwed up at every turn. Unscripted and raw takes on a variety of topics every time out. You name it, we talk about it and give a unique, thought-provoking perspective. We'll make you laugh, maybe a little livid, as we provide a new look at life for your listening pleasure. Follow us on Twitter, at Selling Out Show, and we're available on all major podcast providers. Plus, you can find us on our network, Infirmary Media, by visiting infirmary.org. So what are you waiting for? Try Selling Out Show right now. Well, that kind of brings us to our random question of the week. What do you think will bring the next apocalypse? Is it pineapple on pizza? Mm. Is it climate change? Is it cockroaches that can't take no for an answer? I don't know. Uh, What do you think, Michael? Is it baby boomers? I mean, they've kind of already started it, let's face it. Yeah. Sorry to all of our baby boomer listeners, which is zero. Um. cephalopods will bring on the next apocalypse what do you have against cephalopods you monster nothing they're just so smart they're gonna take over the world well, they, well that means they're not gonna bring it on they're just gonna rule it after we ruin it well they're go- they're going to be the apocalypse of our oh world, that's a and they're gonna create that's their a own. good que- okay that's a good question who would win cephalopods or cockroaches Ooh. <gasps> cephalopods you think so i hope so because cockroaches are disgusting um okay well that concludes it for this week uh hey everybody we want to hear any of your stories um fictional or non we're gonna have some spooky episodes coming up write to us about vampires do you have a spooky ghost experience have you ever met a possessed person i have me uh so write us and let us know (laughs) what just saying um (laughs) So let us know uh, any cool tales, crazy tales you have. Uh, we're a grab bag of fun. So grab our bags and let it be fun. Uh, you can write to us at Go Postal Podcast, P.O. Box 198514, Nashville, Tennessee, 37219. You know, if I move, Michael, I am screwed because I can't remember another P.O. Box. Uh, also, you can write to us at gopostalpodcast at gmail.com. Michael, where can they find us on social media? You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Go Postal Podcast, where you can DM us or just comment on anything we post. Uh, we always post the random question of the week there, so you can reply there if you need a little refresher. Um, yeah, until next time, thanks for joining us for part two. We will see you next week. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao.